We're back again here at Thinking About It with uh, Dr. Rick Reed, Chancellor of uh, Heritage College and Seminary, and uh, Thinking About It producer Andrew Noble. And uh, last time we were here, Rick, we had a we got into this uh, preaching conversation, and uh, I'd like to continue that and um, discuss with Andrew here how can we as preachers do more or do better. Uh, so that it's easy for people to listen to us. Um, we're not just taking advantage of a captive audience. They've right. got to be there because they love Jesus. But how can we um, do our part in, in the art and the science of sermon preparation and delivery? And uh, what are some of the, the, the guide rails that, that we've got to respect lest we go overboard and become a three-ring circus, that kind of thing? So... Um, what are your thoughts on that? Wow, that's great. And I know, Bob, you've thought about this. I've heard you actually give a talk at Heritage College and Seminary on the arts and preaching and creativity. So I, I'm interested to hear a little bit more of you. Um, you know, what I would say is that I do think it's incumbent upon the preacher to work to hold interest, to earn interest rather than assume interest, to actually say, mm-hmm. these people are entrusting me with some of their time, and hopefully some of their attention. And now I need to do my part to make that worth their while in terms of making this interesting and engaging. Um, I think there's several things you do to gain interest right at the downbeat. And then, Andrew, we spoke offline or a little bit before podcast here, you have to do some things to sustain interest all the way to the finale. So preachers have to think, how do I get it and how do I keep it? Mm-hmm. Like here, Jacob does an outstanding job at leading us in worship. It's thematic. And so it's like a baton being passed in a relay. If I take it now, it's my turn to do my part and <laughs> right. not drop it. Very right? good. And I got to respect that the whole, that's an hour and 10 minutes long and I have a role to play. So how, what do we do? Well, uh, when I'm training preachers, I always tell them that a good introduction does four things. Andrew's already heard this spiel. It's really helpful because most people only do two of them. Yep, that's right. And most of us do two by instinct, and we forget the other two. But if we did the last two, it'd work way better. The the first one is you have to make a human connection. Gone are the days when you can get up and just uh, bank on your authority as the preacher. So you have to connect somehow. Like, I'm a person, you're a person. That can be done in a million ways. But somehow I'm making a human Mm -hmm. connection. Second thing you got to do is you have to introduce the theme, the topic. People are going to, what are we talking about mm-hmm. today? So you have to do something. You don't necessarily give them all you're going to say, but you tell them this is what we're going to talk about. So those are the first two. Most of us do that. The last two are the ones that I find that I miss the most easily, but they have the most value. The third one is that you touch a genuine need in the hearer's heart that the passage is going to address. So you've done your study. You've figured out what the passage is about, and now you're asking, what, why did God put this passage in the Word of God to touch a human heart's need? And you figure out what that is, and, and you raise that need right at the beginning. Like, hey, you've wrestled with worry? Mm-hmm. Today we're going to look at a passage where God says, what do you do when you're worried? So you touch a genuine need, what, and you don't make up the need. You get it out of the passage, out of your study. And then the fourth one is you point to hope. You say, today we're going to see how God has some specific ways that you and I can handle when we feel most anxious. I find when you do those four things, a lot of people are like, okay, if this train is headed Mm -hmm. to that destination, I want a ticket. Mm -hmm. I'll get on board. I'll go with you. So that's Mm -hmm. at least how you start. Hmm. I like that. I'm just trying to think. 
you do different I, hooks in different ways. Yeah, I got to do that. Like you you know, vary your hooks. The problem is, uh, I remember Haddon Robinson, he, he's done different things, right? And didn't he suggest, not all the time, but a method where you wouldn't tell people up front where the train was going? You just keep them suspended. They're listening to a good story. They don't know why yeah. they like it, but they like it. And I mean, if, if as long as they're on the train, right, <laughs> and they're listening, and then at the end of it, you know, he, he hammers them with the uh, the point. I don't I don't see that a lot. I think it's much better actually just to say up front, this is where the train's going, yeah. all on board. I I think Haddon Robinson was also a very gifted guy. And, I, I had him at a class one time, and he could just tell a story about anything, and I'd be listening. So <laughs> I'm not him. <laughs> so in the in the pulpit, um, what about what are some things that uh, you've seen or that we could consider that are consistent with the personality? You can't be right. someone other than who you are. Very true. But um, what what do preachers need to consider when they think about creativity in in sermon prep and delivery? I don't think so much about the specific category of creativity. I try to think of engagement. What am I? What do I need to do that will help people stay engaged? Now, often that will lead to being creative. Mm-hmm. But if you sometimes the creativity can be like a its own deal, and I just try to be creative. And that's where you said, when do you cross the line? Well, I I came, I came up with this really creative thing. Well, did it really help the message? Mm-hmm. No, but it was super creative. You know, <laughs> so I try to think of engagement. And I think, what do I need to do as we go through the message so that the interest that hopefully was peaked at the beginning doesn't dissipate before we get to the end? Would that be an illustration? Would that be engaging? You know, yes, I I do think illustrations can be super helpful and they help different purposes. I, I, I like to tell folks, illustrations are like windows. Windows do different things. Windows can let in light. Sometimes our illustrations are illuminations. They They make something clearer or brighter mm-hmm. in the text but windows also let in air sometimes an illustration is needed because people need a breather mm-hmm. they've just been it's been hot and heavy for a while and they just need something to lighten it and then illustrate or windows also let in warmth the sun shines through sometimes i find i need an illustration because it's it seemed fairly cerebral up to this point and i just sense somehow this is going to have to touch their heart there's going to have to be something where they can feel the beauty or the truth of it. So illustrations, yes. Here's one that I think is underused, undervalued, but super helpful to keep uh, engagement, and that is tension, appropriate tension. Uh, The line that I like to say is tension holds attention. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways you do that is you raise the issue at the beginning. Here's what we're going to talk about. You got a a problem with worry? Me too. Today we're going to look at a passage where God says, all of us who are anxious, here's a hope for us. But then throughout the message, you raise tension. So you, you give part of the passage, and then you raise an objection. You say, now you may be hearing this and thinking, well, that's easy for you to do, but I can't do mm-hmm. that. And then you, and what you do is you voice a concern of your hearers, and immediately they, for one thing inside, they're going, thank you for being honest. But another thing, they're going, yeah, I've had that problem. So tension, you, you keep raising tension until you get to all the way to the end where you hopefully have resolved, you've scratched the itch to use a different metaphor, mm-hmm. and they can feel a release. So tension is one of the things that I think helps us. Mm-hmm. But certainly other things that you've talked about, poetry. You, give me a few of yours, because you, you've done some thinking about it. You just break out in song, mid-sermon sometimes. <laughs> I do. I, I don't know. Have you ever heard the singing pastor? I mean, whoever that... I've, That's you. I've, I've heard of him. He's You're out it. there somewhere. Maybe he has a name, but I, I've stumbled into this. I've heard you do this. 
Yes. Oh, what did you hear? <laughs> you just started singing. <laughs> yeah. uh, it just seems to be a way to relieve tension yes. or even just to um, summarize something that's already been said. It brings warmth, too. And the words are familiar to people. That's They're right. singing songs. They love to sing. And it's a cappella, and it just engages them in a sense of, of affirming what has I been said. Agree. And if you're, if somebody's kind of glazed over, which everyone does at some mm-hmm. point, and all of a sudden they hear singing, it's like, what? Yeah. I remember one time at a heritage preaching lecture, a guy named Dan Block was there, and he was going through preaching the gospel from Deuteronomy. So it was pretty thick, heavy. And all of a sudden, he broke into an old song that I remember as a kid. Mm-hmm. It, and he is an older man. But it was that when he cometh, when he cometh to take up his jewels. I bet you know this one, Bob. That's our song every Sunday, sing that for the kids. And I bet you Andrew doesn't know that unless he heard it here. He knows it now. It's another generation. But he started singing that. And he, he talked about how his mother would sing this song when she tucked him in at night. And then he just started singing it. It was so tender and it was so genuine. It didn't seem like some kind of a shtick. And my heart was drawn in. I remember tears kind of mm-hmm, just slipping mm-hmm. down my cheeks because, and so I think the singing pastor thing, if not over, anything, if you overuse it, mm-hmm. it becomes kind of like too much. It's annoying, but yeah. a little bit of it's beautiful. What about um, video clips? There was a time when that was like the yeah. rage. Yeah, right? it was. And oh, PowerPoint. Come to, come to our church. Our pastor <laughs> sometimes shows video clips. From movies. Like literally I heard that once said yeah. about a church. Yeah. But it's not the rage anymore. No, it's not the rage. I, I think there could be a time when it is very useful, but it's probably a, a nice side dish that's used once in a while as a, some kind of an entree that's used all the time, in my sense. We have a couple in our, two men in our church who have a very interesting God story, and the Gideons got hold of this story, and they did a video of them sitting down telling their story about how they were enemies. And they came together in Christ. They come to our church now. And I just showed that on Sunday. Yeah. And some people had never seen that before, you know. But, but there were some tears in people's yeah. eyes just as they saw that. Because these are real people in our church. That and is. it just made the point that the church is a place where the miracle of God is manifest. And this is the kind of thing yeah. that we should expect. See, to me, there the video served the sermon as opposed to the video is somehow, uh, I'm, I'm doing this because somehow it has cultural relevance. It was like, no, 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 this is going to engage people. Mm-hmm. What about like props? What about, uh, one thing that someone said to me after is like, oh, you really use different character voices when you describe yeah. the parable. And I was like, oh, I didn't think about that intentionally, but certainly in when I was practicing the sermon, I did think. You did that. I'll, I'll have a funny voice a little bit for the Pharisee. You have a funny voice? <laughs> you know, well, I What's don't know. What's your Pharisee I'll, voice, Andrew? It's, uh, it's like, oh, Jesus. Or like it just <laughs> right. like you, you come into a more ag- right. agnostic, okay, whatever, right, perspective. Right. Something like that. You know, I think uh, we, gl- we often do a grave injustice when we read Scripture. We read it as if it's monochromatic. When right. this, so uh, to use some different voices, to read with uh, emphasis, and to read with energy. Drama. Like drama. You know, read it that way. Sure. Yes, and props, I would say, again, well-chosen props are, are wonderful. We think kids, we do that for kids' object lessons, but adults are just big kids, so... If you have an orange and you're up there showing that when you squeeze the orange out comes the juice, and then you say, "What when we get squeezed, guess what comes comes out? Not orange juice, 
whatever's inside of us, it comes up. And all of a sudden, that one little prop, people go away and go, I remember that orange. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's humbling, isn't it, that they remember the orange, yes. <laughs> but not your points. I remember this leadership uh, cartoon one time. It showed a pastor. Uh, it was Pastor Bob, actually. He said, Pastor Bob, uh, in his study, you know, and he's there. And then it shows one of his congregants at work, and it says, Jim remembers something Pastor Bob said in his sermon last week. And there's this thought bubble going up from Jim, and, and there's Pastor Bob in his thought bubble. And Bob is saying, is it hot in here or is it just me? Can someone check the thermostat? <laughs> and we think that's what he remembered from <laughs> yeah. the sermon last week, you know. Yep. Well, what about um, PowerPoint? Remember when that first came yeah. out? It was the best. With little things that moved and yeah. flashing. All the sub points and yeah. other points. Uh, is that, does that get in the way? I think it can. I, I think less is more. This Sunday I'm preaching at a church and they asked something. So I gave them the bare minimum of, you know, three or four or five slides that just have some main ideas on it. But, um, again, I think there was a time, often technology, when it comes in, it becomes a fad and we overuse it. And then it finds its level. And I, I think there is a place at times for PowerPoint that can clarify. I always tell the preachers that I'm working with, when you preach, if you're using PowerPoint, you should be so clear that if the projector bulb burns out, that mm-hmm. nobody, nobody misses a beat. If you're relying on that to give clarity, yep. then that's a problem. And mm-hmm. that changed my preaching because I used to, before I heard that from you, really rely on my three points being up on the screen. And even as I prepared, I found myself preparing based around the slides mm-hmm. rather than having an articulate sermon that someone just listening could they understand. Could and I wasn't, I wasn't emphasizing those main points. Um, yeah. What about sermon monologues? Everything I'm asking you, I've done. So with... Like a one first-person sermon where you're, yeah, you embody somebody? In costume, even. Yeah, I've done both those, too. My wife cringes when I do that. <laughs> she just is I'll sit in the back. Yeah. Because it's just... Now, why did you do that? Um, I, I feel that done infrequently... It can add another, especially when you're the pastor that's there every week. Mm-hmm. It just adds another little element or wrinkle. It just gives some freshness. And I think at times, who did you do a first-person sermon on? Oh, I did Daniel. I've done yeah. Gabriel, Shepherd. Yeah. So what what was, were you happy with that? Did yes. Feel, yeah. Uh, and I, I'd like to quit on a high note, right? Okay, <laughs> I, won't, I don't want to ruin that. But I'll do another one and hope that it, it won't be ruined. Well, it was helpful. I remember learning more about the cultural setting, and you just you just felt more immersed yeah. in where Jesus was at, what the feelings were of the people involved, and therefore it, it entered you as the listener yes. into that story. Well, sermons need to be creative, and uh, preachers need to be less lazy. That's what mm-hmm. it is. It takes effort and work to make yes. something not just informative, but creative with wings or as Spurgeon said, feathers for his arrows. Wow. And we need to do that. So, but Rick, we want to thank you for joining us mm-hmm. here on Thinking About It. Until next week, I'm here with Rick Reed, <laughs> Andrew Noble, Bob McGregor. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. <laughs>